If you're ready to take action to create the life and business you want and be surrounded by courageous, like-minded warriors, entrepreneurs, creatives, and professional freelancers supporting each other and feeling the fear and doing it anyway, I invite you to join my free online community, Momentum Warriors. Just head over to www.momentumwarriors.com now. You're listening to Transitions Podcast. Learn how to make money doing what you love, become more confident, create a positive impact, and have the lifestyle that you want with marketing consultant and small business advisor, Anthony Chansamuth. Hey Warriors, welcome back to Transitions Podcast. This is Anthony Chansamuth and this is episode 007. Um, This time I've got with me Meryl Johnston from Bean Ninjas. Uh, which is actually an accounting service. Meryl's going to share with you her journey on growing that business from zero to 100K in just eight months. So we'll go through a couple of things. And if you stick around, you'll learn how to attract clients and scale just when you're starting a business. You'll also listen to Meryl sharing how starting a consulting business is a great way to start if you want to get into the world of business. And also the key frustrations that business owners have when it comes to bookkeeping. At the end of the interview, I'll share with you an exciting online training that I'm offering uh, very soon. So stick around and find out more. All right, it's time to get started. Okay, here we go, everybody. Welcome, Warriors. It's Anthony Chansamuth on Transitions Podcast. And I have with me an amazing entrepreneur who I've been working with for a couple of months now. We have Meryl Johnston from BeanNinjas.com. Let me tell you a big, big headline for you right now, because this is what we're going to really get into. We're talking about a business that went from zero to 100K in eight months. Now, welcome to the call, Meryl. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Now, you've been going guns with this business ever since you started with the concept. So let's let's talk about the journey. Um, why did you start Being Ninjas? So I was previously running an accounting consulting business, which I started in 2013. And after about 12 months of that, I got to capacity where I was doing as much work as I could and it was very difficult to scale a team because of the project nature of the work that I was doing. So I was facing that problem and and talking about that in a mastermind group I was part of and in that group was actually Ben who is now my business partner and he was running a tax practice and facing similar problems around building a scalable business. So as part of that mastermind, we, we talked about moving to a subscription model and how that might look and realised that bookkeeping was actually perfect for a subscription-based business model. So from there, we actually met and ran our own little seven-day startup inspired by Dan Norris across three days and came up with a business name, came up with a product, prices, built a website and launched. So that was back in July 2015. So I suppose that that was the why that we started and it's gone from there. Cool. So uh, I want anyone listening to this to to really pay attention here. In three businesses, you went, uh, sorry, in three days, you went from concept to having something out there and starting to to advertise and and really bring on clients. Um, Did that mean no sleep in that three days? (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty intense. So we we set up a schedule each day of all of the things that we wanted to achieve and we gave ourselves really tight timeframes. 
So we actually didn't, we only worked, I think, eight till six on those days, but we were absolutely exhausted after each day. So we'd give ourselves an hour to agree on a business name or an hour to come up and agree with a logo or an hour to define our product and come up with a price. So it was pretty intense. And I think before we actually had those three days, we'd agreed that what our product was, which was a fixed fee bookkeeping service. And we'd actually also done our co-founder agreement before we started. So we knew that we were on the same page and that we had similar goals and talked about what might happen if one of us wanted to exit earlier or moved moved in another direction. So we had those conversations before we got started. And we also knew overall what we were trying to achieve. And then those three days was set aside to launch. Now, you both, I mean, you, you met physically in the same location. So you're both um, based in, you're in Queensland, right? Yeah, so I'm based on the Gold Coast and Ben's based in Sydney. And oh, we'd actually, wow. okay. Yeah, we'd actually, so the Mastermind Group was an online forum and we'd actually only met in person once before that. I was down in Sydney on an unrelated business trip and I just caught up with Ben for coffee to talk about how we potentially could work together in the future and then we stayed in touch and so this three days together was only the second time that we'd met in person. That is insane and I say that because I know what it's like to try and grow a business with a business partner who's in the same city as you Um, so to have someone who's actually in a different state poses some some other challenges and we can get into those in a moment but I like what you said about really starting with a co-founder partner agreement what were the sort of key I mean you talked about exit strategy and and where did you get the 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 know-how to do this because I think a lot of people when they're starting a business don't really think about exit strategy I guess we're accountants so we we're fairly conservative and some of our training is also around dealing with businesses and also we have experience seeing businesses transition from startup through to exiting. So I've been aware of that with, with other businesses around me and I guess also being an accountant, we have a little bit of legal training too. So we felt that we had enough knowledge to write our own agreement and also how important it is because things can change over a period of years. So we wanted to be very clear about how that would work. And probably one of the key things we put into that agreement was a vesting strategy. So that we don't both start off with 50% ownership, that our ownership grows over a period of five years. So that if something was to happen to me and I could only do one year of work, then in five years time, I wouldn't own half of the company. That's really interesting and really smart. One of the things that comes up when we talk about exit strategy from day one, and this is something that, that I didn't do with my previous business partner and it caused us complications later on, like two years in, was really working out. It's, it's almost like people don't really understand when you go into a partnership with someone, it really is like a marriage. <laughs> um, and you spend a lot of time together. You obviously, you know, aside from your own relationships and whatnot, um, you, 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 you know, investing energy, um, of course, there's fun money that goes into this. There's also time and a lot of emotion around that. And what I found was difficult in the exit was the financials were all locked into different places and we had insurances we had to deal with and all these different things. It got really complicated really quick. So I guess, yeah, it's you know beautiful that you both come with that accounting background and you really understand a bit of legal implications. For someone listening to this who, who isn't an accountant or a bookkeeper, what are the key things they should be looking for from a from a 
partnership agreement. So well, something that, that I did to help with this was actually look online and there's some great resources around creating a co-founder agreement. But I, I think some important things to discuss up front are expectations about who is going to be doing what in the business and what your availability is. So if someone is only able to contribute 10 hours a week, that's fine, but discussing that up front. So expectations about who will be doing what and then something like the vesting, but also looking at with an exit strategy rights in terms of will your business partner have the first right to buy your share or do they, or do they have a say in who part of the, the business would be sold to and how some some methods of valuing the business. So we, we built in a few things like that into our co-founder agreement. It's quite a while ago now, so I'm a little bit hazy on exactly what was in there. That, that's, that's fine. Um, and I'm sure you guys have planned in a revisit of the, of this, of the, um, the agreement at some point um, just to see where you're at uh, and, and have a check-in because um, I think that's important as well. Because like you say, things change, right? Um, personal circumstances change. Now, coming into this, do you have what? What do you have a family? Does Does Ben have a family? What are your like? What's the reality of, of when you were starting together? Yeah, so Ben has a wife and a two year old, and I have a partner. So from Ben's point of view, he's the main breadwinner in his family. So starting a new business is quite risky. So we had to balance earning it. So when we first started, we weren't making enough money from being ninjas to support ourselves. So. Ben still needed to work in his business and and I needed to work with my consulting business to earn enough to supplement our income until we could, well, we're still not fully, uh, we're not full-time in being just yet, but we're hoping to transition to that in the next couple of months and we're in the process of winding back our other businesses. So originally when we started, we had similar goals, even though we have different family situations. So we both wanted to be earning a reasonable income and working less hours. So we wanted to be working 20 hours a week. And so for Ben, that was so he could spend time with his family. And for me, I've got a lot of hobbies and I love traveling and surfing and catching up with friends and family. So for me, I also wanted to be working 20 hours a week so that I had time to do all of those other things. So at the moment, we're doing more like 60 hours a week, but we can, as we're building our team, we can see we've always, from the start, we've had in mind that we want to build a team that we can delegate work to so that we can step out of the business. And our goal for that is by the end of, of next year, so 2017, that both of us have stepped out and are working less than 20 hours a week, but we've achieved our income goals. I love it. I just love the amount of detail you put into the planning. And I think that's somewhere where a lot of startups fall flat is that they don't really go into, you know, by 12 months, we've gotten, say, you know, 100K or 50K, whatever it may be. And then by 24 months, we've got a team of you know, X number of people. We're down to 20 hours per week for each for each co-founder. And we've got, you know, certain things happening because you've got these milestones that you check off. And I think that's, that's super important to work backwards with the end in mind. Because I think what, what I'm hearing from you is that both you and Ben were looking for a lifestyle and obviously more time with your partner for travel, for him, family, raising his child and different things. What have you learned from your own consulting business before you started being ninjas? What was the, the, the challenge? How long were you in that business? And what were you doing before that? Right. Well, so let's go back a step. So my background, initially, I started 
as an auditor. So I used to work at BDO in Melbourne for quite a few years and studied, I did, became a chartered accountant down there. And then I moved to the Gold Coast for lifestyle reasons so that I could surf more and then worked in an internal finance department at Queensland Airports, which was a, a company that owns various airports and related businesses. And again, and I started again working late nights and weekends. So that was actually the reason I started my consulting business to try and reduce the hours that I was working. And that was fine to start with. So 2013, when I first started the consulting business, I I didn't work. I only worked a couple of days a week and and surfed a lot. And then I decided that I wanted to grow that business. And that was, again, when I started working more hours and then realised that it wasn't a scalable business. So I suppose that was my background. And just to confirm, just to clarify, your your question was where did I come from and then what did I learn in the consulting business? Yeah. So I think having a consulting business is actually a great first business to have because it gets you talking to customers and understanding what they need, what their problems are, and how you can solve them. And it's an, an easier way to transition into business because you're paid for your time generally. So I'm actually really de- glad that I did the consulting for a couple of years and got used to understanding where customers were seeing value. But it, that's what also highlighted the problem for me that we're now solving with Bean Ninjas. So by talking to a lot of different people in the industry and talking about bookkeeping and accounting, that was where we identified that there's a there's a gap in the bookkeeping market where people are getting frustrated with bookkeepers that are slow to respond, that are doing work that's incorrect and needs to be corrected by the accountants and where they don't have fixed fees. So it, their customers don't know. It's always a concern about what the fees might be each month. You published a really good blog post about the, the sort of seven frustrations that people have around bookkeeping, whether it's, the, it's DIY or whether it's the, they're working with an existing bookkeeper or an accountant. You've covered a couple of those here, the, the, the costs associated with that. What are some of the other challenges you've seen small business owners have with bookkeeping as a practice? So I think there's two reasons that a business would be doing bookkeeping. So one is for tax compliance, so for their income tax return and for their BAS. But another, and I think more important reason, is so they have financial data for decision-making. And I think this is the, the area that a lot of bookkeepers, uh, that's maybe where they're missing the mark. So yes, they're lodging BASs, but the data is not available quickly enough for business owners to be using that for making decisions. So a business owner wants to know what payments are coming up. So they need to manage their cash flow. But if they don't get their books for a month, a month later, then they don't have that information now to see what's going on in their business. And I think there's a lot of, a lot more detail that could go into tracking. So in a, for example, in our business, we track margins on each customer each month. And that's something that's very easy to set up in software like Zero. And I think a lot of small businesses could be doing more detailed tracking around profitability of different customers and then identifying which of those customers are actually their best customers and finding more of those and understanding how to market to those customers. So hearing that, one of the challenges, I mean, being a small business owner myself and and really a one-man band at this point in time, well, I'm developing a team, but for, for others who are that one or two person, just like you and Ben, how, what kind of tips or suggestions do you have for them to really get their head around this tracking of financial data and understanding 
you know, which clients are more profitable or which services or products are more profitable and sustainable because that's something that, that a lot of, um, I've seen a lot of, of businesses come up against, particularly in the startup space, is, you know, really being able to sustain beyond that first, you know, two to three years. And we, as we noticed the, the data, and you know, I've been doing a bit of research around this as well, is, you know, one in three. It's, it's actually, that, that, that stat is not quite right because ABS actually says that there's a, you know, it's a higher percentage actually stay alive, but it, it does come back to what you're saying, Meryl, around this tracking of data. How do how how do you suggest that someone who's who's you know starting up with a business or in their first couple of years, um, how do they do that better? So I think the usual transition is initially accounting information will be kept in spreadsheets, so it'll be downloaded from bank accounts, and then the business owner will usually allocate that in the spreadsheet. And I think the first step is to move to accounting software as soon as you can afford it. And I realise with a startup, you need to minimise costs. And in the first month or two, or sometimes even longer than that, it might not make sense to spend money on accounting software. But I think that's the first key step as as soon as you can afford it, then look at something like zero, because that is where you can start getting a lot more data around what's happening in your business. And then the next phase, so usually at that point, a small business would have an accountant that's helping with their tax. And I'd recommend getting that accountant to help with the setup too. So making sure you're working with an accountant that understands more than just tax, but can help with that setup so you can track customer profitability or or whatever it is that you're wanting to track. And usually at that phase, the business owner would still be doing the bookkeeping themselves. But at least if you've got some advice around how to set it up right, then you can be tracking that information. And then as the business grows and the business owners are then building a team and looking to delegate some of their workload, at that point, then it makes sense to outsource bookkeeping as along with a range of other tasks. So typically what kind of, spe- uh, kind of budget or, or income would a business have before they're, they're, they're hiring someone like Bean Ninjas? I usually calculate it based on how they value their time. So if they're at capacity and they value their time at $100 an hour and it's taking them five hours to do their bookkeeping each month, then that's worth $500. And then I'd compare that to the cost of a bookkeeping package. So that's normally how I would work it out. Uh, As a general rule, normally a business would be, they'd be paying, so they'd be registered for GST, so over $75,000 before they were looking to outsource their bookkeeping. So this is a general rule, but I also think it's important to look at how the, the business owner is valuing their time. Totally agree with that. And now you also work with larger organisations, larger businesses. So tell me about what are some of the frustrations those businesses have and, and what's, sort of the, what's the profile of a typical business that you'd work with? So businesses that work with us, they're usually or generally online businesses and there are some bricks and mortar businesses too, and usually they'd have between zero and four employees. So we have a couple of bigger businesses that are turning over in the two to three million mark, but those businesses are generally online, so they don't have a big team of employees, or if they do, they've, they've usually got a back office in the Philippines. So the typical type of clients we work with are businesses of that size. So generally they're turning over between 100000 and a $1 million. That's the most common size of business. And often, or we, it, 
We didn't start out intending to specialise in an industry, but what has ended up happening is that a lot of our clients are e-commerce stores there or another kind of online business like a coach or a blogger, digital agencies or other productized services. So we, I, we didn't start out trying to find a niche, but I think that's where we've ended up with some specialist knowledge in that area. But we're also willing to take, take on any, any clients that are in that uh, $100,000 to $1 million kind of turnover. I love that. I, I love the clarity and I love the, the statement that we didn't start out looking for these type of businesses. They kind of sort of came to us. Um, so tell me about that journey. How? Because one thing that certainly a lot of business, small businesses struggle with is niching and they try and serve everybody and then they end up serving nobody because it's kind of like, how do you message? Now let's talk about, this is a nice segue into your marketing strategy and this is how we met. So how did you and Ben sort of, uh, derive or what? How did you sort of sit down and go? This is how we're going to attract clients. This is how we're going to scale. In your first uh, initial, your three month blog post recap, you talked about you know starting with friends and family, um, and then you then were looking at strategically how do we go beyond that circle. Um, so can you tell us about that journey and what have been the, the, the I guess the, the the main things that have worked for you and what hasn't worked for you. So when we first started out, we were just trying anything to get customers. So we were cold calling, cold emails. We were just reaching out to friends and family and letting them know what we were up to and does anyone want to give us a try. Um, And I was doing a lot of going to a lot of networking events and we were part of some online communities. So we found we got zero from from the cold calling and from cold emails and flyers. We We got nothing. And we learned from that that accounting and bookkeeping, anything I think anything related to, to people's financial information, it requires a degree of trust. And that's when we realised that we needed to be more targeted in what we were doing and that our relationships were going to be key. So that was when we made more of an effort to, to reach out to people that we already knew to let them know what we were doing and more effort in building targeted relationships. So I spent some time getting to know a lot of accountants who don't include bookkeeping as part of the scope of what they do with the potential for them to refer us bookkeeping work and for us to refer them the tax work or the business structure work that some of our clients might need. And we also spent time in different online communities, again, building relationships. So we weren't in the communities, sell, 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 telling people what we do. We were getting to know people, trying to add value where we could. So, for example, someone in one of the groups wrote a book. So I provided feedback and helped to get that book out. Or if someone asked for an opinion on a website or something else, we were in there trying to add value and and build relationships. And that's quite a time-consuming process. But once people learned who we are, they started using and, and some people started using our service and then had a good experience. That was when we had people that became our advocates within the communities and then would recommend us to other people within those communities who were also in our target market. So I think that's probably been one of our most valuable ways of, of generating business. I love that. Something that echo. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for partnerships and, and, and really adding value to your partners and I love that your approach was to think about what's the complementary service who has the clientele that we're going to work with? Obviously, accountants, that's going to, you know, tax accountants and people like that. And then you really went out and, and had conversations with these people. 
uh, you know, and, and, it's, um, and that adding value step, I think is so key. And I think we're in a world of let's try and get things done fast and super quick and MTV generation and let's get stuff out, you know, ASAP. And a lot of time we forget that that business is built on relationships and, and real value. Um, and I've certainly, you know, once I've been engaging with you and seeing how you do your business, I've been referring you and being ninjas just like going, yep, you know, anything to do with bookkeeping, you got to talk to Meryl. <laughs> That's kind of the way, the way it goes because it's like, but I always preface that with because she's going to give you, like she's going to actually have a good chat with you before you even get into the, the $90 per month, whatever it is, right? So, and that's the key, you know, and so much of it is integrity and, 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 and I love that you didn't go in there going, hey, we've got this great product and this comes, you know, whatever it is, your approach was, wait a minute, where do you actually need help? Because maybe, you know, you don't need bookkeeping, but maybe you actually need some web development stuff. And I, I know a web developer that might be able to help you. And that's kind yes. of, you know, that's a slow approach. Like you say, it's a slow burn. It's not a, let's do this and, and it's going to, but there's, a, you're playing a longer game. And I think that's, you know, you, I think, did you see Gary Vee when he was in town? I didn't, but I do follow him and I've read some of the summaries of other people that yeah. went and saw him. Yeah. yeah. And that's what he's talking about. It's like, it's not, a, you know, get rich quick. It, it's a, you get rich slow. <laughs> it's like, you know, you have to work at it. And then that's beautiful. So, uh, I'm conscious of time on this and I've got a million questions for you. Um, but let's let's narrow down to just a couple of questions I have here. First thing is, what's been the biggest challenge in your journey with Be Ninjas? I'd say the biggest challenge is juggling our time and our cash flow. So we both want to be <clears throat> working on Be Ninjas 100% and putting everything into it. But while we were starting out, we still needed to earn an income because Be Ninjas wasn't supporting us. And I think that was the biggest challenge was our desire to grow beanages and as quickly as we could, but having that the time constraints where we still needed to earn an income. And I'd say that's probably a, a common problem with lots of people with with their startups or starting out a business because it takes time to establish a client base and to to build up revenue. So not burning out, I think that's probably the hardest thing we've faced where we want to work 100 hours a week but we have other commitments and it's not sustainable to work like that. I, I want to ask you a question around this one because this is something I wrote about recently on Medium, just this concept of the entrepreneur, the anxiety that comes from being an entrepreneur, the sleepless nights, the, the impact it has on your personal relationships. So, you know, when you're investing 60 to 100 hours, you know, a week, on something and it's your baby because it really is it's your baby and you kind of hold on to it and you, you know and then I've never and I don't think I will birth a child in my lifetime but um, you know it, it, that's what it is so how how have you been able to find to deal with the, the burnout the risk of burnout or, or you know how do you like manage your health and, and, and your time with your partner and, and, and going surfing and these kind of things what, what's your your way of doing it I think so i live by my calendar so I try and schedule in work hours and then I actually book in my calendar when I'm going to yoga or when I'm surfing and my partner probably doesn't like this but I actually book in some time there to make sure that we have some quality time together too where I'm not thinking about business and that we can do things together so that's really important at the beginning of the week or even on Sundays I plan out my week and make sure that 
I've set realistic tasks of what I'm going to achieve that week, but also in my calendar, I've booked in time for me and for those important things that I want to do that are outside of work. And I think Ben's a really supportive business partner too. So sometimes in my consulting business, I have a client, a surf resort in Indonesia. And I, so earlier this year, I spent two and a half weeks there, which meant I couldn't do a lot of Ben Ninja's work. And he's very supportive about me taking time out from the business to then come back refreshed. And I try and support him like that too. So we, we know that it's important to, to step away and then come back refreshed and not burn ourselves out. We do have big weeks where we, there's, we can't avoid it and there's a lot of work to be done, but we try and balance that out. Cool. So let me just recap on that one. So you, you're very disciplined with your calendar, you schedule your times with people, with meetings, with work, whatever it is that needs to be, you're surfing, your yoga. I'm, I'm quite the same. <laughs> if you look at my calendar, and I do the same thing with my partner and it's like, hey, <laughs> I booked time for you, babe, and, you know, and she doesn't like it, but she's realized that's kind of the reality of, of being with an entrepreneur. Uh, and so the next the thing is what, uh, or the next question I had in mind around all of this was what's the big vision? Like let's project five years into the future. Like what, what is it for you? What drives you to go through this insanity? Because a lot of people listening to this might go, I'm just more better just sticking with my comfy day job. I get a monthly, a weekly, monthly paycheck <laughs> and I don't need to, to, to go down this journey. Um, but why entrepreneurship? Why, why do you do what you do? I love it. So even our three-day startup process, that was a fun thing for me to do. So that, that's one aspect that I'm enjoying it. And I kind of always, I liked accounting, but I didn't love it. Whereas having a business and thinking strategy, thinking about strategies and customers and growing, that is that ex, I find exciting. But also long-term, it's, it's a lifestyle thing. So our goal with Bean Ninjas is for by the end of next year, so end of 2017, that our annual revenue is up over seven figures. And so a five-year, I suppose thinking even longer term than that, is that we're, we're wanting this business to grow eventually without us so that we're, we're spending a little bit of time on it and we're doing other things and then potentially have moved into the next business. But the idea is that Bin Ninjas will continue long-term but without as much involvement from us. So that would be the five-year vision, but obviously we're still a long way from that and we've got a lot of hard work to go before we get there. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's, it's at least you have a destination and I'm sure <laughs> the reality is that, you know, that may change, right, along the way. But I think that's, that's it's brilliant that you guys have to have that. I'm all about the lifestyle business. This is why I'm basically moving to Vietnam in a couple of months uh, and, and really working on my business and, and, and growing that and really, you know, following that model. Now, you mentioned at the top of this call that you chose to go with a, a productized service model um, and you said sort of bookkeeping lends itself to, to that. What is it that makes it work and what, why would it not work for other businesses? What is it about this recurring monthly revenue subscription model? You know, it seems to be the big trend and, and obviously with Dan's book and everything else, it's like a lot of businesses jumping on that, but it doesn't work for everybody. So, you know, what, what would you say are the key things, 
you know, one or two things that you looked at with Ben to say, actually, this would work perfectly for what we do, but maybe not for somebody else? So I think it needs to be something that needs, for a, from a customer's perspective, it needs to be an ongoing task. So designing a website doesn't necessarily need to be done every month or every year, even though updates might, might be needed. Whereas with bookkeeping, it's something that needs to be done every month. So it makes sense from a customer's point of view for that to be on a, an ongoing subscription. And the other key area was that it, it can be easily defined. So rather than us having to scope a project and then write a proposal for each customer, it's fairly consistent what we would be doing each time, which lends itself to a repeatable process. And I think that's what's required with a, a productized service. And I actually learned from my consulting business when I was dealing with much larger clients that they needed something customised. So these were businesses that might have 40 to 100 employees. And when I was helping them implement things like accounting, different accounting software, it was very customised what they needed and it wasn't something that could be a repeatable process that I could train a team to do. And that was something that I learned from the consulting business that highlighted that that really something like bookkeeping is much better as a productized service where it's less customized. Beautiful. Great answer. So it's make sure it's an ongoing task, um, that it makes sense to your customers that they need it ongoing, um, and then it's easily defined. Really, really great insights. Meryl, thank you so much for your time. What final question I'm gonna ask this, I ask this of, of all my guests, after it's all said and done, what do you want to be known for? Oh, that's a hard one. Putting me on the spot. I don't think I've got an answer for that. Um, what do I want to be known for? I, I guess with, well, with Bean Ninjas, our vision, which was a short-term vision, was to help 100 lifestyle entrepreneurs. That was, that was our goal for this year. So we, wanted, we want to help other, people, other lifestyle entrepreneurs achieve their business <clears throat> and lifestyle goals. So I guess that doesn't fully answer your question, but that was one, that was a component of our vision. Yeah, that's the Bean Ninja's vision. What's the Merrill vision? What's the, yeah, you know, where, where I'm going to, yeah, I, I love putting in this position because I, it's, it's, yeah, I, I'm always, uh, for me, it's more about coming to your, you know, uncovering what is it that makes you tick. And everyone's unique, everyone's special. And, and I think, you know, or maybe you can go away and you come back to me next time we have a chat. <laughs> think about that one. I think I've been so focused on bandages that I haven't really, yeah, thought about big picture how I'd like to leave my mark. Yes, well, let's. I'll come back to you about that. Awesome. Love it. Okay, so now if anyone wants to connect with you and, and, and maybe take a bit of service or just find out more, uh, where can they find you? So with our website, which is beanninjas.com. And we're also on Facebook under Bean Ninjas and Twitter as well with just Bean Ninjas, which Amazing. is B-E-A-N and then Ninjas. Ninjas with an S, not a Z. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we're not that creative. But um, cool. So I will uh, link to this in the show notes. If you're listening to this, access the show notes. We'll connect you with Meryl and Ben uh, and really check out what they're doing because it's just amazing the amount of work and effort, I think if there's anything you take away from this conversation is that it takes work, effort, time, love, dedication, great partners, great clients and, and whatnot to build a great business. And it's, it's certainly not just 
a matter of luck. <laughs> um, so thank you, Meryl. You've been amazing, and uh, we will connect with you real soon. Great. Thanks a lot, Ash. All right. Thank you. If you guys are listening, so hit subscribe to subscribe to this podcast, Transitions Podcast. Anthony Chansmove signing off. As always, live confidently and passionately, and we'll be talking to you real soon. Thanks for tuning in, Warriors. If you want to access any of those links or connect with Meryl, uh, just head over to www.transitionspodcast.com forward slash 007. That's transitionspodcast.com forward slash 007 for the show notes. And that way you'll get all the links that were mentioned in the show. Now, I did promise you at the beginning of this episode that I'll tell you a bit about the upcoming online training. This is a free training that I'm delivering over webinar. It runs for 45 minutes and what we'll cover is how to go from being a struggling creative entrepreneur to a sustainable one. So we're calling this Client Accelerator and I'll cover a few things such as the top three mistakes that creative entrepreneurs are making when it comes to marketing themselves and how to overcome those. Uh, I'll show you three really hot tools that marketers are using right now to generate more leads and improve their results online and here's a hint for you, none of those are social media. And I'll also uh, give you a a seven-step system for getting more leads, more money, and more creative freedom in your business. So if that's something that is of interest to you, it's happening on Thursday, June 16 at 8 a.m. Sydney time. So that's Australian Eastern Standard Time. If you're in LA, uh, that's actually the 15th of June, Wednesday the 15th of June at 3 p.m. LA time. Or if you're in in New York City, it's the 15th of June at 6 p.m. For those of you who are in London, it's the 15th of June at 11 p.m. London time. Sign up for the webinar now. It's at www.joinaccelerator.com forward slash training. Okay, so www.joinaccelerator.com forward slash training. This link to this webinar is also on the show notes, which is again www.transitionspodcast.com forward slash 007. Okay, I hope to see you on the training. Otherwise, hit subscribe and hit share if you really got value from this particular podcast. And I'll see you on the next show. Remember, live confidently and passionately. I'll see you soon.